Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. If you're a regular podcast listener, you know that I travel to New York City every month for work. The thing I look forward to most when I get home is getting to sleep in my own bed. Honestly, though, is there anything better? I look forward to it even more now that I have sheets from American Blossom Linens. Their sheets are sustainable, ethical, and made in America with 100% American organic cotton. I love the sheets because they're woven to last a lifetime and get softer with every wash. This kind of luxury sounds expensive, right? Well, without the use of middlemen, American Blossom Linens passes their savings directly to you. Plus, they ship for free anywhere in the U.S., and as a female business owner myself, I love supporting female-founded brands. Go to AmericanBlossomLinens.com and use code REFINED20 for 20% off your order. That's code REFINED20 for 20% off your order when you go to AmericanBlossomLinens.com. If you are new to the podcast or if you've been here for the last four years, you have heard me talking about Patreon. Patreon is my lovely online community. I like to think of it as my my most honest, vulnerable, raw, unedited conversation on the internet that I'm having with you within community on Patreon every month. I'm doing live group coaching calls. I am hosting a monthly book club. We're currently going through the book, The Bible Tells Me So by Pete Enns. If you grew up in evangelical culture and were taught, you know, things like Jonah lived inside an actual whale belly or that the earth was created in a literal seven days, this book is for you. Next up, we are going to be going through the book, Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski, all about female sexuality. I think it's a must read for every single human being. It's so good. And then also over on Patreon, I'm doing exclusive VIP videos a couple times a month. Recently, we dropped videos, and by we, I mean me, myself, and I and my team, videos on the conversation around Roe v. Wade as a person of faith and how to be an ally for the LGBTQ plus community as a person of faith, and also just personal life updates that I'm not ready to share with the podcast world or the Instagrams, but I share it on Patreon. So you can join for as little as $5 a month, patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. Again, that's patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. Now, guess who's back for today for another conversation? You're never going to guess, but I'm going to tell you anyways. It's Sean Galanos from The Love Drive. He is a love coach, podcast host, and course creator. He teaches communication and intimacy skills for better relationships and more love. And he is probably, I would say, top five favorite people to follow on Instagram. His Instagram reels on dating and love coaching, they're just my favorite. You'll follow him. You'll understand why. Well, this is the second time he's been on the podcast. He was on episode 166. We talked about cheating, ghosting, finances, and sex. So listen to that, and you can click the link in the show notes to hear that. And without further ado, welcome back, Sean. Hey, so great to be here. 
So good to have you. Did I say your last name right? Yeah, good enough. Do you know that uh, when you are also on my podcast, the Love Drive podcast, your episode is my most downloaded episode of all time. Really? Now, why you're still single with Kat Harris. Oh my gosh. Did I go viral on your podcast? I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yes, you did. Well, I mean, it's a great question. And I remember you asked me that question and I kind of fumbled through it because I was like, why are you asking me why I'm still single? I don't know why the hell I'm still single. Well, you and know yet. why I asked you that question, right? I can't remember. Why it's because you, you had a that? piece of content about how to answer why you're still single around oh, the holidays. That's right. That's and then right. you totally fumbled the answer. I totally did because I thought you were like, I don't know. I just, I just thought you were like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> that was my own insecurity coming out, clearly. I also think that podcast did really well because people want to know why they're still single. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Now that you know me a little better, why do you think I'm still single? You're just, you know, you got a lot going for you and that can be a little intimidating for some dudes that aren't really ready to step up to the plate with a real live woman. A real live woman, not a Barbie, a real What do you think about that? I mean, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, appreciate that. (laughs) Nice. I mean, it's just, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I feel like I'm not single for lack of putting myself out there. That's, that's for damn, for damn sure. You're out there. You were, you know, you're in busy metropolitan areas. You're going on dates. You're doing your thing. I'm out here on these streets, Sean. Hey, maybe uh, try this on for size. Do you either have a fear of commitment or unrealistic expectations? I think I have had unrealistic expectations for most of my dating life. That has been illuminated to me in the last year. Well, just stop it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, for the first time ever, I'm dating people outside of my faith. And I think that was like one of the big things. And I think I also realized I was looking for one person to meet the needs of like 10 different people. Right. And also, I don't know what you think about this, but I think I was wanting my like boyfriend, partner, whatever, to basically be like my best girlfriend. I I feel like I was trying to get a partner who was like my best friend, my lover, my business coach, like all these different things. And one day my best friend and I were talking and we were like, we don't need a guy to like meet the need that like you meet in my life. Like you and I can talk about like pop culture and the bachelor and all this other stuff. Like maybe that's not what we need in a partner. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that all makes a lot of sense. It's a lot of undue pressure on someone to meet all of those needs and to play all of those different roles. Yeah, for sure. Well, are you ready to get into our questions? Heck yeah. (laughs) You can say hell. (laughs) Heck yeah. yeah. Wait, real quick. Uh, I feel like maybe dating outside of your faith uh, has opened up the options a little bit. I mean, it feels kind of like an obvious thing to say, but... Yeah, I mean, it absolutely has. And one thing, actually, my very Christian therapist was the one who really challenged me to date outside of my faith. And that's a whole other podcast episode. But he said, relationships that last are those who have shared values. And values are different than beliefs. So you can have a shared belief about God, but your values can be very different i.e. I would identify as a Christian. I'm also pro-choice. I also don't think that Christians should have stormed the Capitol on January 6th last year. Um, And so you can have these similar same beliefs about God, but that manifests in your life very differently. He said you can also have differing beliefs about God, yet your values can be in complete alignment. And so he just invited me to open up that scope and really focus on what are my core values? Who do I want in a partner or what, who and what do I want in a partner? And to start looking at those values and be more open because he said, you know, belief changes all the time, which is so true. I I am a different person than I was a year ago and 10 years ago. And so, so yeah, it's definitely been a journey for me. And yes, it has definitely opened up 
the dating pool. Um, Sean, I went on 23 dates with different guys in the last six weeks. Holy cannoli. <laughs> I could write a book about that. Did, how do you, did you, do you have a spreadsheet? What's going on there? How are you tracking this? You know, it was, it was all Bumble. All Bumble. All, all Bumble. I, Went back and I, counted. Yeah, I accidentally, I mean, I've had some crazy stories in the last six weeks. I dated a homeless guy on accident. I've had like the best date of my life happened in the last six weeks. Um, I've been ghosted. I've been, I went out with a 25 year old yesterday, 12 years younger than me. I think he would propose to me today if I told him I was into him. So a lot's yeah, maybe, going on. Maybe hold off. Yeah. Know? Maybe hold off. But <laughs> he's not ready for me. He thinks he's ready for me. He is not. <laughs> that's all very exciting. Yeah. I'm I'm pleased that you're, you know, you're getting out there as much as you yeah. are. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate that. Now are I'm ready. ready. Now, now you're ready? ready? Now I'm ready. Okay. All right. So these are questions that were sent in via Instagram stories. We're going to get through as many as we can. Ready? Here we go. Number one, what should you do on a first date and how long should it be? You know, I don't think it really matters what you do as long as uh, you're getting a vibe check. You know, that's all we're doing on the first date is like, do I like this person in any way, shape or form enough to see them again? I don't think that the big old dates, you know, the big grand romantic gesture, of first dates is necessary or even something that you want to do. That's just a lot of pressure. Yeah. So for me, it's always been kind of short, either a coffee or a drink or a walk and with the option to extend. Yeah. Right. If you're really enjoying yourself, there's no, there's no rule that you have to cut it off after 45 minutes. There is that, that old, you know, saying about it's better to leave the party when, when you're having a lot of fun than when, than when you're like the last one there. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to squeeze every last bit of joy out of the party. So I kind of apply that to dates as well. And also try not to, you know, go on like a really fancy dinner as a first date or anything where you're kind of locked in with the person. Because if you don't vibe and you've already committed to a dinner, then it's like a little awkward. Yeah, it is. Even I, I went on a date a couple weeks ago and it was just drinks and it was like 30 minutes in and I just was 100% clear that I was, this, this was like a hell no for me. And so I was like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> and he was like, okay. I was like, thanks for the drink. I, I, I think I used to think I had to stay even if I was having a terrible time. Slash, I used to think the date is only good if it's like six hours long because that means you have a connection. Right. That's but too much work. That's Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure. I, yeah, I like that. Um, I'm tired. I, I want to go home. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go home? Oh, yeah. I'm ready. I said I'm ready to go home. I, I'm ready to go home. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I, I would say something like, all right, well, I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm going to leave. <laughs> the, well, the, it was late. It was like 10 o'clock at night, and I really was tired. And then the next day, he asked me to go to dinner with him. And I said, you know, thank you so much for meeting up. It was so nice to meet you. I'm not interested in moving forward romantically with you. And then I never heard from him again. He didn't even like acknowledge your message? Mm-mm, no, but I, I'm i like under the, how I try to approach dating is I want to show up the way I want people to show up for me. If someone's not interested, I would rather them tell me than make up an excuse of, oh, I'm busy lately or or just not text back. I I I would just much rather say I'm just I'm I'm just not feeling it. You seem great, and I don't make any false promises. I'm not like we should be friends yeah, if I right. don't want that. You know. Right. Yeah, and I think that's that. You and I agree that that's sort of the the, uh, the correct strategy, or, or or more like humane strategy. And also, you have to be ready for them to just not accept rejection with grace. Mm. And that happens. Some people get kind of nasty. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Who pays for the first date? Ooh. Well, I've, I've, I'm trying to think. Have no. I don't think you've given me shit about this, but my buddy Manuel has given me shit about this. He's like, you can't be a feminist and have a guy pay on the first date. And I say, why not? So I would say one of the most traditional things about me is I appreciate when a guy pays on the first date. I don't think that a guy needs to pay forever on every single date for the rest of our lives, but I do 
Oh, I'm just going to be so bold and say that I, I, I expect mm. guys to pay on the first date. And often I won't even go for my wallet. Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm the terrible? I don't think you're terrible. I'm just real curious where that's coming from. Yeah. I, I mean, I can tell you where it's coming from. Okay. I, I grew up in the South and there's, there's not much in me that Southern I feel like what's in me that Southern is that is the like, you know, guys, guys pay for girls because even growing up until I moved to California post-college, I never paid for anything going out. Even if it wasn't dates, I don't want to say especially, but just the, the crew I grew up in, like girls don't pay for anything. Guys open all your doors, even if it's like a friend, like a friendship, Hey, the guys are getting the drinks tonight. It, it it just was, I grew up in like that chivalrous, like Southern chivalrous culture. And there's a lot of it that I buck up against, but even like my dad will open my door every single time I'm with him, like pays for everything. And yeah, I know he's my dad. Um, my brother's the same way. So I think that was just kind of culturally how I grew up. And then I think it's just one of those things that it's still, it still means a lot to me. Now, if it's something that's like, to me, I'm like, if it's a drink, like, I think that's fine. You can pay for that. But recently I went on a first date and we went to this like really foodie place in Austin and it was a big bill. And so I pulled out my card and he was like, no, I got it. And I was like, I was like, if you want to pay for it, I, that is so sweet of you. But I was like, this is kind of a pricey first date and I don't mind splitting it with you. And he was like, that would mean a lot to me actually. And I was like, great. So I think it, how big was the bill? It was like 200 bucks. Oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I was like, you know, I know that I am good company and I pay the pink tax and, and all of that. And there's like the patriarchy, but yeah, let me go and split that. Let's go ahead and split that. So that's interesting. What, so what does, okay. I'm, I'm a firm believer that people should just split the bill Mm -hmm. until the relationship is more established and then we can take turns treating each other or, or whatnot. I, I know a lot of people rebel against that. I know a lot mm-hmm. of women who would say like, oh my God, if you offer to split, like it's over. There's no second date, no matter how much I like you, which to me is kind of bananas. Mm-hmm. You know, like you will let that get in the way of potentially like a beautiful relationship because the person didn't uh, offer to pick up the check. I've heard people say uh, in a very gendered way, very gender perspective, if he offers to split, he wasn't raised right. Mm, mm-hmm. And if she accepts she wasn't raised right or something. And to me, it's just like, these are rules that right. not everybody adheres to. And I think that a lot of this is contextual and it's also cultural, right? If you go the, to the Netherlands, everybody splits. It's called going Dutch for a mm-hmm. reason, you know? Right. In Canada, it's people split all the time. And I'm also not opposed. Interestingly enough, I think that people should split. And then I, I often don't split. I often pick up the check, especially if it's like under 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if it's like ice cream, drinks, coffee, whatever, if it's like a casual meal on a first date, I don't mind. But if we're going like, if we're going like 80 bucks, I don't know, man, why don't we just split it? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, to your point, I think it is cultural. And I think this is why communication, even on a first date is so important. Relationships are constant negotiations and constant. Well, this, you know, this is, my expectation. What's your expectation? Can we compromise? Can we um, make a third way here? Because I mean, I have a girlfriend who said that if a guy offered to pay, she would never go out with him again. Because she would, she would feel like he thought that she would owe him something sexually, or that he was trying to control her. And you know, we both grew up in the same town in Texas. And so here I have this story, this narrative of I'm growing up in this like chivalrous Southern Texas culture where all my guy friends always paid for me. And by the way, I'm friend, I'm family friends with her. Whenever I hang out with her brothers, their, her dad, they pay for everything. It's, it's, it's that, but to her, that feels so disrespectful. And it was super eye-opening for me. 
because I think out of an entitled place at times, I've expected a guy to pay. And like I, I said, I often won't go for my wallet, but I also like feel it out energetically, you know, like, like I went on a date last night that I told you about before we got on the air. And as soon as I walked up, he's like, what are you drinking? I already started a tab. I want to get you, I want to get this for you. And so I was like, great, that would be so nice. Um, I think especially in today's age with, you know, everything that's going on with like gender norms and all of that, I think we really can't assume anything. Like we have to talk and whatever is your boundary, it's like, it's, I don't want to say whatever your boundary is, it's okay. But I just want to, I think we just have to be willing to talk through this stuff as opposed to like instantly writing someone off because they didn't read your mind. Yeah. Or yeah, because and, they didn't grow up with what you grew up with culturally. Right. Yeah. And I think there are women that don't want the other person to pay because they don't want to feel like they're going to owe them something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's important to recognize that. So we've got all this stuff. So why don't we just agree to split it? You know, if, if you're not willing to go and talk about money on the first date, which a lot of people aren't. It's just, that's, that's a little too deep. And I think I I remember the quote, it was something like, if she doesn't offer to split, she was raised wrong. And if he accepts to split, he was raised wrong. And that, I hate it. I hate anything that's like a rule, but my rules like split it. So I have rules. But also (laughs) when you and I had lunch and this was not a date, it was just lunch friends, you paid. Yeah. But you, you know why I paid. Why? Because we did it, we did a photo shoot, and oh. you you were like working. Yeah. Okay. That was that was my paltry way of getting getting <laughs> somehow trying to get back with you. To, Got it. To, at you, I don't know. You're trying to get back at me. Okay. <laughs> your photos <laughs> by buying you a meal. How dare you take my photos? Exactly. I'm buying so, you lunch. I knew I was going to bring that up. I knew I knew that that was going to come up. All right. Yeah. So we got we nailed it. We nailed it. Okay. <laughs> Ready for the next question? <laughs> yeah. Okay. If he's not ready to be in a relationship, do you think there's any chance you can change his mind? The connection we have is so incredible. Why can't he see it? I don't think there's a chance that you can change his mind. I think there is always a chance that he might change his mind. Mm -hmm. But our job isn't really to convince people or at all to convince people to be in a relationship with us, right? We're not selling ourselves to other people. It's to show up and to connect. And if that's not good enough, then that's not good enough. If he's not in a place for that, then he's not in a place for that. And no amount of negotiating is going to change that. I mean, I found myself in a relationship with with a woman at some point in my life that wasn't ready to commit to me. And I had a very hands-off approach. I said, look, I'm happy to continue spending time with you uh, without commitment. And uh, I'm going to continue to check in with you every now and then, right? Every two, three months to see if anything's changed for you. And I will do this until it doesn't work for me anymore. And if you come to a point in your life and in our relationship where you do not see a future with me, you need to tell me. And ultimately, we were together for like two, three years. And, and we ended up breaking up because she wasn't able to have, you know, give me the commitment level that I wanted. So there is a way to be in relationship without getting the thing that you want, as long as you're okay accepting that you're not getting the level of commitment that you want. And that may or may not change, but I don't think that you, the job is for someone to convince the other people, the other person to do whatever it is they're not ready to do. Right. Right. Well, and I think I fell into this trap for much of my twenties. I mean, there was this guy, I was, I mean, I was like crazy about him in love with him and we were really good friends and we, oh my gosh, I just, everything about our connection just felt like fire. And then we both were kind of living out similar purposes. And to me, it was such a no brainer that you know, we, it was just, would be such an awesome thing if we were together. And it came up multiple times. I was like, you know, there's totally something here. You're just denying it. And he was like, no, like I'm not interested. And what I did was instead of listening to his words, I was like, oh, but his actions are showing me another thing. So that's what I'm going to hold on to. Not what he's saying, but like what he's doing. And I, I, feel like I could have saved myself so much heartache if I actually took his words to heart. 
I think a lot of women, we're just like, if, if you're saying there's a chance, like if we think there's like this tiniest opening, then we're going to like hold on to it. And I think what I did, and I know this is, I know this now 10 years later is really connected to childhood trauma. I thought, oh, he just needs more time to see me in different circumstances so that he can see how awesome I am. And so I felt like I finally got to a point where it felt as though I was like the one woman circus trying to show him how I can be in all these different social settings. And look, I'm I'm so cool in this setting. Look how great I am. And it was exhausting, but it was so hard to let go of because in my head, I was like, I could see it. I could see it working only 10 years later in 2020 hindsight, am I so grateful that we didn't get together, but how common do you think that is? And do you think guys do that too? I think that's where actions speak louder than words comes in, right? People go, well, he's, you know, he's saying this, they're saying this, she's saying this, but she's really acting like my girlfriend, right? Mm -hmm. So she's acting real loving, even though she says she's not available for commitment or for me to meet their family or whatever it is, you know, they're, they're acting like they're my boyfriend, but they, they're saying, look, I'm not ready to commit to you. I, I don't, we're not exclusive. I can't do that right now. And people sort of, you know, they, hope springs eternal. You sort of hope that, that, that it will eventually turn into what you want it to turn into, despite what they're saying. So yeah. I really do agree that we, we need to believe people. Uh, I think the, the holy grail, the golden standard is, uh, you know, actions matching uh, words. Uh, consistently, consistently, right? Yeah. So consistently over time, because something that I've experienced in all of my dating in the last few months, I have had so many different experiences because of that. But one of the things that I've experienced repeatedly is how easy it is to show up on the first date, even the first few dates, like people kill it. (laughs) And it's easy to put your best foot forward on those first few dates. And really interesting to see how a person is able to show up and how they choose to show up over time. Whereas, man, I went on a couple first dates that were so incredible. And I thought, wow, well, this is great. Like, we're going to just be, this is about to be my boyfriend. And then two weeks in, the flakiness, the ghosting, all of that. And so I'm, I'm realizing more and more, like, not that I don't trust a connection that I feel on the first date, but just how time's on your side. We show people who we are over time. Yep. Yeah. I show up pretty low effort actually. Yeah. What, what does that mean for you? I just, you know, whatever, whatever I'm wearing that day, because mm-hmm. the first date for me is just sort of a vibe check. So I'm not going to go out of my way to make it a special encounter just because it's like, like you said, you went on 23 dates in six weeks. Like how exhausting would it be if we showed up to all of those dates? Like it was a gala or something. <laughs> so I show up just but the way, shower the way that I am. Day, Sean? What's that? Do you leave shower? Do you like go straight from the gym and you're like, Oh, I'm just sweaty today. That's who I am. I depends. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think I'd show up full sweaty. I don't really like sweating much or being hot. So it's unlikely that I would show up in that state. Um, do I shower? I don't know. It depends. Depends how early the date is. Depends when I last showered. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not going to make a point of of it if if I'm like, you know, <laughs> showered in the last 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you know, I showered three days ago. We're fine. I just put some bo- Axe body spray on. We're good. I'll do my, you know, like comb my hair with my fingers and I'll, <laughs> I'll show up. You know, I guess what's more important is, is that do you show up present right? to right. connect with this person? I think that's way more important than all the other sort of prep work that you might, you might do before the date. I, I hear that. And I feel like as a woman, like, I feel like women just show up differently. Like I, true. I feel like, and I think if we don't, we kind of get penalized for that. I mean, I don't because I don't expect anyone to show up any more than I'm showing up. Like I'm happy if you show up in your yoga pants and a puffy, you know, like in a ponytail, I'm happy if you show up after yoga or after your workout. Really that to me is not important. What's more important is what's the connection that we have. And that's why I would like those first dates to be casual so that we don't have to place these expectations of really showing up razzled and dazzled. 
right or re- right. ready to razzle and dazzle uh rather than just like let's show up and connect as humans and do we enjoy spending time together you know i think that's way more important than all the other stuff oh i agree in fact, one of my favorite first dates uh, here in Austin is there's a, a big lake in town. And I'll just be like, Barton hey, do you want to go? It's, it's uh, Zilker, Zilker Park is the park that's like where Barton Springs is. So, yes. And so I'll be like, hey, do you want to meet at Town Lake and just go on a walk? So we're in our workout clothes. It is like the devil's exhale in Texas. It's so freaking hot. So you're going to be sweaty. Sometimes I won't even wear makeup. Because I'm usually in workout clothes and sweaty at some point in the day. And I, I like kind of right off the back, like showing like, hey, this is like me with without makeup. Like, here's what you get. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Yeah, I think that's perfect. And if, you know, let's go swimming in some cold ass water. Yeah, let's do that. That's fun. That. It is fun. Yeah. So it, in, in the lines of this last question of, you know, can you change someone's mind? What I also hear in there is perhaps another question that someone brought up is thoughts on when someone says right person, wrong time. Like, do you believe that? Uh, yeah. Or maybe just, I don't know. Do we, do we really need to ascribe right and wrong to everything? How about just great person, not a fit, hmm. you know, great person, not, in, not aligned with my goals currently, not ready to do what I want. Right. So the whole right person, wrong person, right person, you know, low value, high value. Mm. I really, I really hate all that stuff. Yeah. A guy last year called me a high, high value woman and it, it was so offensive to me. So you are saying that you get to categorize women as higher or lower value. I just, I, I feel like there's some dude out there that's love coaching men on like what a high value woman is or high caliber woman. And I'm like, I just, I understand the intention behind it, but it just really bothers me that there's guys out there saying like, Hey, some women are like better than others. Like, yes, some people are more emotionally available, have done more internal work. Yes. I get all that, but ascribing what someone's value is it really bothers me. Yeah. I mean, we're all humans. We all mm-hmm. have intrinsic value. We all deserve to be loved and to love. And I've hear I hear a lot of women saying, Oh, he's high, he's low value, he's low effort, you know, so mm-hmm. you can do better. And I just don't like it. So I, I also don't like, you know, right person, wrong time. A lot of people will say, Well, if it's the right person and the wrong time, it's the wrong person. And if it's the right person, they'll make time or they'll they'll make it work. And I, I feel like all of that is just too simplistic, right? Yeah. Relationships, so much more complex, so much more contextual. There's so much more going on that we can't really be reduced to just these like sort of on off binaries. Yeah. So I would say that if I hadn't had the experience I had last year, I would totally agree with you. But I feel like last year I met and dated a guy who honestly felt like the perfect person for me or the quote unquote right person for me. And yet the timing was so off for both of us. And it was kind of the first time I had experienced like, wow, I really do think I've met the, a per, like the right person for me, quote unquote, or someone who is an incredible fit for me, but they were just out of a relationship kind of moving through that. And I was dealing with like my own, daddy trauma with my stuff with my dad and it like it couldn't we couldn't move forward and it's not that we ended things because we didn't like each other or weren't interested in each other it was like man I hope I hear from you a year from now you know um and and I haven't well (laughs) damn it I know darn it it's really fun yeah well, so the, then the, like, yeah, what do you think about that? Well, the problem with with that is, you know, right person, wrong time. So that's the one. That's the one that I should have been with. And then everybody else pales in comparison. And you're always comparing them to John. And mm. they don't they don't they don't meet up. Yeah. Right? They don't match up. So then it's just like one more after another after another, trying to match that guy. And no one's ever gonna do that because we're all so different. Yeah. So yeah, that's totally what I've been doing, by the way. Like no one is matching up to him. 
And yet I've also had different connections that I've liked for different reasons that have been healing and wonderful and fun, um, but haven't worked out because, well, for a lot of different reasons, um, but it, timing wasn't one of the reasons. I do think that guy I dated last year, like did change something for me or became, I don't even know if it's fair to say this, a standard in some sense, because before dating him, I didn't know that guys out there like him existed. Um, and so it was kind of like a, one of my coaches used to say, sometimes you have to see it to believe it or wow, I didn't know that there were emotionally available men of faith who have done a shit ton of work, who care about personal development that are actually out there. And if there's one, there has to be more than one. And so to me, I feel like he did set a new standard for me of like, wow, I, I want a person that has a lot of those qualities. But would you say that having that as a standard is holding you back? No, I think that's good. I think it's good to have met someone that has the qualities and holds the values that you hold important. And as long as you don't think that that's the only person you can find that with, right? If you're willing to find a different flavor of that in somebody else, and maybe it's not the exact mix that you had, maybe it's Mm -hmm. a different mix and that's okay. Right. This, he had the, you know, perfect Cajun seasoning and then you can find someone that has, you know, a little sweet and sour something trying to do a little barbecue Texas thing. Love that. Um, so do they hold similar values and do I feel similarly excited about them, but do I also recognize that this is a different person? And so they're not going to hold all of the same qualities that that person had. So, yeah, I think it's good to have a new standard and, you know, every relationship that we have should be as good as, or better than the last. I'm okay with that. Today's ceiling is tomorrow's floor. Sure. Sure. I have a poster here that says today is tomorrow's faded glory. Oh, what does that mean to you? (laughs) I don't know. I guess uh, today is tomorrow's faded glory. I mean, faded. It's a gene company, so. Oh, faded actually, glory, the Walmart yeah, gene company. Well, I think this is an old. This is like a poster from the seventies. Nice. So maybe is is faded glory a Walmart gene company? I think so. Well, this is. I don't know what happened since this poster was made, but the man who wrote that copy is also the man who wrote Gillette, the best a man can get. Oh. And it was my friend's uh, ex-girlfriend's father. That's awesome. So yeah. he was real sharp with the words. He was the man. He was the man. The yeah. man. Though I'm not a fashion blogger anymore, you're going to have to listen to episode 184 for that story. There is one thing that I firmly believe to this day. There is simply nothing better than a well-made and comfortable leather shoe. I recently discovered Bedstew and fell in love with their leather shoes. Bedstew's mission is to create quality products that are made to last using only the most natural ingredients. Bedstew takes pride in their four R's, recycle, reduce, reuse, and renewable. They use recycled materials, reduce landfill waste, source their materials from naturally renewable resources, and offer a restore and repair program so you can extend the life of your items. I have personally been wearing my Gia sandals from Bedstew nonstop since I got them. They're the perfect summer sandals, and I always feel so cute when I wear them, and they're just so comfy. Bedstew is giving you a 20% off on your first order when you go to bedstew.com and use code RC20 at checkout. That's B-E-D-S-T-U dot com and use code RC20 for 20% off. Before you book any brunch spot, you pour over lists and lists of reviews. Am I right? So why not do the same when you're booking a doctor's appointment? With ZocDoc, you can see real, verified patient reviews to help find the right doctor in your network and in your neighborhood. After all, finding the right doctor is just as, if not more, important than finding the right plate of Eggs Benedict. Am I right? ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. I love using ZocDoc because it helps me locate the exact specialists I need, whether you're trying to find a primary care physician, an OBGYN, or even a psychiatrist. ZocDoc will help you find a quality doctor that is the right fit for you. Go to ZocDoc.com cat and download the ZocDoc app 
for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's zocdoc.com slash cat. Zocdoc.com slash cat. Speaking of men, we have another question, and it is probably not fair because I'm I know girls do this too, but the question is why do men love bomb? It's such a turnoff. First of all, I don't even fully know what love bombing is. Uh, I don't either. I've never experienced it. So I, I think it's this is like the blind leading the blind here. Yeah. Uh, when when someone just really turns on full charm and they yeah. sort of pretend like they're falling in love with you and they say all the right things, but mm-hmm. it, it is a little bit too soon and a little too much. Mm-hmm. And it really works with people who have low self-esteem, who desperately want to be loved. And then, uh, I don't know, something else happens, right? They they dump you or they, they sleep with you and then or they're manipulating you or leading you on and they're maybe doing this with multiple people. So why do guys do this? So they can get what they want. I guess uh, people aren't used to just being honest about where they're at. Like, hey, I'm, I'm enjoying spending time with you. I'm not ready for commitment, but I'm also dating other people. I, I want to have sex with people. You know, if you say all that, you're going to turn some people off. Right. And, and, and rightfully so, because not everybody's into what you're into. And so people think that if they just pretend to give you what you want, then they'll get what they want. I have a thought about this and maybe this is my own naivete or, but I, cause I think everything you're saying, I agree with. And I wonder if there's another reason this happens as well. Um, so I dated a guy this spring and it was incredible from date one, instant connection, great combos. We both really liked each other. It was the first time since dating the guy last year that I left a date being like, okay, there are other guys out there. Okay, we got this. And he showed up so well for two weeks. And then he just couldn't anymore. And finally, we had a convo. And I was like, you know, hey, like, what do you have space for right now? Um, I was like, I'm not looking for exclusivity at this point. I don't need you to be my boyfriend we're just both busy and I'm kind of wondering why see you two months from now or next week type of a situation. And he freaked out and was like, I feel so much pressure and kind of like morphed into a person that I hadn't seen yet. And ultimately said, you know, I'm too busy and I I can't, uh, I can't move forward. I can't give you what you want. And so things ended and, you know, looking back, I was like, so did everything that happened up until this point, was that fake or was that his agenda to get me to bed or basically get what he wants from me then leaves or whatever. And maybe that's true. But another part of me was like, you know what? Like, I think he really did like me. And I think he probably did want to be able to have something with me and then over the two weeks of us dating realized, you know what, as much as I want this, I actually, I don't have the time or I'm, I'm going to choose not to shift my calendar in that way. So I like this person, but I don't like them enough to, to change. So to me, that doesn't like tarnish the connection that we had. I don't know, maybe this is where I'm like, maybe I'm naive, but I'm like, man, Cause my, my, one of my girlfriend's boyfriends, she, he was like, Oh yeah, guys do it all the time. They're going to show up that way for you until they get what they want from you. And I'm like, really are all guys like that? Or is it possible that he liked me and then just got to a point where he couldn't sustain that intimacy any longer. So he bowed out. Like, do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's possible. I think, uh, also people feel like there's a, this is how they should act. Mm-hmm. And then they find themselves too far gone. And they go, "Oh man, this is this doesn't feel authentic anymore," you know. Or like I, I found myself going through the paces of getting into a relationship and doing the things that I think that she wants me to do mm-hmm. for us to get there. And then I'm like, "Oh, actually, I don't really want this with this person." I was just sort of like going through the motions. So there's that. I mean, there's who who knows. I mean. To me, love bombing feels like a manip- manipulative and what you experienced wasn't. It was just someone that got real excited about you and about the potential and then sort of got overwhelmed about, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe wasn't ready to commit and had sort of led you on in a way, maybe inadvertently. I think that's also pretty common. Um, 
don't know. I wish I had more experience. I wish I was love bombed more so I could <laughs> tell what's going on. But but I think I'm too cynical. Yeah. To let that happen, I would figure mm-hmm. it out pretty quickly yeah. and go like, "Hey, this is a little hinky here. Something's off in terms of timing and, you know, how excited you are about me." Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, and and to your point about going through the motions, I wonder sometimes if this happens because kind of what you said, you a guy can think this is how she wants me to show up. So another guy I dated this spring for a couple of weeks after the first date, by the end of the first date, he's, what are you doing next week? I would love to take you out again. I'm like, great. I'm, I'm feeling it. He's feeling it. Great. And then every day after that, I would get a good morning text. He would check on me throughout the day. We would talk at night and he was really setting the pace. And then about three weeks in, we had not like a conflict, but we, I guess the closest thing to a conflict. And he said something along the lines of, man, like, I just, you know, I don't even know if I should be dating right now. I don't, it, the, the time ex- and expectations of it. And I was like, dude, you're the one who texts me every day, 10 times a day. I never asked for that. And it felt like he kind of put on me this, blame for the pace of the relationship when he had been pacing it the whole time and he had been sending the messages. And so I wonder if that was kind of along the lines of what you were saying, like, maybe this is what he thinks women want. So this is how he has to show up. And then he ended up resenting the pace that he set. Yeah. 100%. That, that, that can happen. Mm -hmm. That can totally happen. And that's on him. Yeah. And that sucks for you. Yeah, you know, I was like, wait a second, you you took me on this, you took me on this train ride. <laughs> yeah, I like slow, you know, slowly over time. That's sort of my yeah. preferred way. Yeah, I'm also not a big fan of good morning and good evening texts. Me, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. need them. I don't think that's the real indicator of yeah. how someone feels about you because because totally. someone could just know that that's what I need to do to show her them that I like them and not even really be into it. So I'd I'd much prefer like something with more substance and not necessarily every day. Right. And you don't have to text all day long. Like I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a massive texter with guys that I have just started dating. I'm like, we don't know each other. We don't need to text all day. And I'll have guys that, want to text a lot before meeting up on the first date. And I'm like, oh, like you're a stranger. Like, let's just go out and see if we vibe at all and see where it goes from there. We don't need to have like an hour long text conversation before bed. I think that's a generational thing, maybe. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's individuals in all generations that are going to want more texting. But I think the younger folks, I mean, we're around the same age. I think that younger folks are going to place more importance on texting because that's texting in general is more important to them. And it is a way of showing interest when for me, you know, I'm happy with a phone call every now and then or a FaceTime or let's just see each other on Thursday. You know, like today's Tuesday, we'll see each other on Thursday. We don't need to text unless we get something to share, Mm -hmm. but I don't have to keep the spark going. I get a lot of questions like, how do I keep the spark going? It's like, well, you know, if the spark is there, if there's actually something interesting there, you don't have to keep it going. You know, it'll sustain itself until the next time you see each other. Right. So it's I less can, work. I can see how that question would come up of like, oh, like I haven't heard from him in a day or two days. And we just, we, you know, we just are getting to know each other. Like, are they going to forget about me? Should I send them like a funny gif? Should I, basically, I think what we're trying to do is remind them that we're still there. And you're saying we don't need to do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. If you have to send a funny gif, to remind them that you exist. Yeah. Then maybe it's probably not a good fit. I think so much of it is dependent upon what is the posture of your heart. Send the gif if you want to send the gif. Send yeah. a text if you're curious about how their day is going. But if you're feeling anxious or you're coming from that place of fear of, if I don't do this and this is going to happen and it's going to ruin this and it's going to be over, that frantic energy. First of all, I think 
people feel that people can feel that energetically. And I know I don't want to show up from that place because I know I'm not like rooted and grounded and I'm looking externally for that validation, even if it's just via a silly gift. So it's like not about the right or wrong of sending the text or reaching out or keeping up with a spark. It's like, what would you be doing if you felt grounded and like free of attachment from their response to X, Y, Z? Yeah. If you're in that, if you're in that confident place and you send a gift and they don't reply or they double tap the like, and then you're fine with that because you're, you're not attached to how they respond. It's so, it's almost like telling someone you love them because you want to hear them say that they love you. Mm -hmm. Right. Rather than just giving them the gift of an, I love you with no expectation of how it's received or reciprocated. I mean, I feel like even if I was in a place where I was like, I just like want to share this. They don't have to say it back. If they didn't, I would still be like, huh. like there would be that tiny part of me that would be like, oh man, okay. They said, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I also think that if you're not ready to say it back, maybe say more than thank you. Yeah. If if this is the first, I love you, there's, it's kind of a, a pretty loaded experience. Yeah. Well, so what's another thing more. to say besides thank you? Oh, I've heard. I've heard someone say, uh, we're reading the same book. You're just like a chapter ahead. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Or you're a little further along than I am. Mm, yeah. Something that. like that. Yeah. Okay. We have time for a few more questions. Um, Let's go. next question is I'm in an amazing relationship, but why am I so hung up that he's not my type? Yeah. I, I don't know. That's a great <laughs> question for your therapist. <laughs> Also, you know, my type hasn't worked out. Mm. So mm -hmm. if I look at what my type was, well, I'm not with any of those people. So do I really know what my type is? Am I a great judge of, of type character? You know, maybe that's what I'm excited about, but that's not necessarily what's going to make a long-term healthy, fulfilling relationship. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a great judge of that. And so I'm just going to kind of let that go because I don't think it's that important. If the relationship is amazing, what's wrong? Yeah. Right? We're always so, sort of always looking for, so we, we talked about this a little bit earlier before we started recording, but this idea that we're always looking for more, mm -hmm. right? Or different. And sometimes we just have to accept that this is good and it's not what I thought it was going to look like. And that's fine. So until there's a problem, like let's not manufacture problems. Right. And I think sometimes we can talk ourselves out of something good, out of being in a place of unworthiness or self-sabotage or fear of commitment or fear of what are other people going to think of me if I'm with this person. Um, I think there can be a lot that, that I would be curious in talking with this person about what's really coming up. You know, I remember for a long time, like I dated this guy and I was crazy about him. But what I kept getting hung up on was if I bring him home to Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve with my family, it's like 50 people. It's super rowdy and rambunctious, lots of drinking, lots of push-up contests. It's a very Texas moment and a lot of big personalities. And I felt insecure that he wouldn't be able to fit in with my guy cousins who I only see once a year, maybe twice right, a year, right, right, you know, right. how important and are they really? I know. I was like, why do I care so much about what these people think of this person I'm dating who I only see once a year? Like, and I'm insecure that he's going to lose the push-up contest. Like who the hell cares? <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm not, by the way, if you took me home, I'm not doing the push-up contest. <laughs> also, I don't drink, so your cousins would have like a field day with me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's why I never dated you, Sean, because I couldn't take you home for Christmas Eve. Well, I would have found one of their insecurities and, and oh, exploited yeah. that. Oh, so, yeah. You Exploit know. it like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, that's a real fear, fear of what other people think of, of your partner. And, you know, sometimes you want to be with a cooler partner, you know, like, oh, I think people expect me to be with a different, like my type. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes you don't have a problem bringing the person around that's like not the nicest to you, but that like looks great. And you have a real exciting relationship with mm -hmm. rather than the like real, the sweetie pie. Yeah. 
that is maybe a little softer spoken, more respectful, not as exciting, but also, you know, more caring, more loving. Yeah. Yeah. I saw on TikTok twice this week. So it's either the algorithm or God's trying to get through to me. But I heard two very similar perspectives from different therapists. And it was basically kind of challenging the this notion of the type and or that feeling you get when you meet someone for the first time and there's that instant connection, you feel butterflies, you leave that first date and you feel like, oh my gosh, I could talk to that person forever. I feel like I've known them my whole life. Or I feel like we've been together forever and it's only been a couple dates. Both these therapists were saying that's a big red, red flag because you actually don't know that person. And the reason why they feel familiar is because there's something about ways of being, subconscious patterns that is registering with your body and neuropathways with your past trauma. So we're attracted to what we grew up giving and receiving from family and loved ones. And so often when we have those butterflies that can actually be like anxiety (laughs) and our body, when we feel that familiarity, it's not always like this good thing because it takes time to have real intimacy with someone. It's often like tapping on this, like old, these old dynamics or trauma bonds that we had growing up. So just like, and I, uh, I know there can be like different, like pushback to that conversation, but I thought that was so interesting because then I looked back on different connections that I've had. I dated a guy, well, this same guy that it only lasted two weeks. And I remember saying after the first date to my friend, it feels like we've been together forever. Like we're so comfortable with each other. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, actually he reminds me so much of my ex from my twenties. And my ex of my twenties was this like to a T manifestation of like all my daddy issues. (laughs) I was going to say, daddy, is that you? Yeah, daddy. (laughs) So yeah, familiarity isn't always good. That's right. And I agree with that. And also I want to give some space for, for it to also not be all bad. I think that oftentimes we, we subconsciously choose these partners that are archetypes of, you know, our role models growing up and, and we're trying to heal some dynamic, some wound uh, that we experienced growing up with these new people. And sometimes we can, actually. Sometimes we do get to try again with a new person. And hopefully they're, they're different enough where they are able to help you heal that thing. So, you know, I think we do heal in relationship. I think if you do meet someone where it's, you know, all fireworks and super exciting, it's not necessarily a red flag. I think it's, it's definitely worth pausing and treading carefully, but also understand that you might be able to to work through some of the stuff that you're desperately wanting to subconsciously work through and do it with a therapist. Yeah. Right? Like go do it, but then also have a therapist that you can, that can help you walk through this experience. Absolutely. I had a friend recently be like, oh, I feel like I'm going to you too much as a therapist. And I was like, yeah, you are get your own freaking therapist. <laughs> but I think we can do that. Uh, we think, oh, like, oh, my best friend, we, I, we tell each other everything. I don't need a therapist, but I don't have my PhD. I, I haven't gone to MFT school and done thousands of clinical hours. Therapists yeah, I mean, I, awesome. I'm your friend. I'm your friend. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll help out. But also, I'm not. I mean, I'm a coach. I'm not a therapist. Right. So, right. you know, get someone who understands the, the dynamics at play here. Absolutely. Okay. Final question. Okay. This is hard because there's like 50 more questions. So I'm I know, like, but which one, you know, do? pick, pick a good do. one. Don't okay. fuck up. Ooh, I know. Um, okay. How to gauge intentions without making things serious or exclusive too quickly. How to gauge intention. I mean, there's this like huge fear that you're going to make everything all serious. I, I think, the way you ask something, Hey, just curious, like, what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. That's totally fine. Totally Mm -hmm. casual, mellow way of asking someone what they're looking for. And I don't think it has to be super serious. I also don't think that we have to be the cool girl 
the chill guy all the time. I think if, if something is important to you, like, Hey, I want kids someday. Do you ever see yourself having kids? Right? Like, I think it's okay to ask those questions. I don't think it's loaded or too much. I think we should get used to having these conversations like sort of regularly and kind of early on. And so that you can know whether this is a good fit or not. You know, if someone says, I don't ever see myself having kids. Okay. That's great information for you to have. Or maybe they'll say, hey, you know what? State of the world right now, kind of scary. I thought I wanted to have kids. Now I'm not so sure, but I'm not close to it. It's just kind of a scary time bringing kids into this world, right? And maybe that's something that you can work with. So just bring it up. Yeah, what I hear behind a lot of uh, like a question like that is I think, again, I don't know what guys are like, but all I know is myself and a woman's perspective. I think we're so afraid of getting it wrong. We're so afraid, oh my gosh, if I have one misstep, if I ask one quote unquote needy question, or if I tell them what I really want, I'm so scared of them running off. We get so scared of not doing it perfectly that we're just like, tell us the formula, tell us the formula, tell us the formula. When I'm like, man, like, what is it just to show up as yourself? Like, if I want to know what they have space for, then can I just ask them in a way that's like not attached to the outcome, but like, what is it to just really show up as ourselves fully as opposed to being paralyzed by getting it wrong? Now, granted, you and I both have jobs because people ask for our advice, but I I just see so much fear of getting it wrong. And I'm like, what if you just like, what can we just like fumble our way forward? And if, if someone scares that easily, then maybe you don't want to be with them. Yeah, probably not a good match. I don't know. Is are, are guys that like trigger sensitive where you ask him one question and they bail? I, I guess, I guess they must be. So the, when I asked uh, my guy this spring, like, Hey, I'm just curious what you have space for. And he freaked out. It was like, well, like, okay, like this shows me where you're at. And it gave me information sooner than I probably would have gotten it, but I'm glad I know. And Wait, is this is this right guy wrong time? No, uh-uh. okay, no, no, okay, because no, no, no. I don't. I feel like if it was right guy, you know, he yeah, he'd be able to handle that little. No, pressure. no, he he said I feel so much pressure, and I was like, listen, I have like no pressure. I have there's no right or wrong answer to this. I'm just you know curious where you're at. I've and I said you know we've spent a couple weeks hanging out, and I'm I'm having a good time, and I'm enjoying getting to know you, and I'm down to keep getting to know you. I don't need commitment out of you. That's not what I'm looking for at this point. Um, I'm just curious, like where where you're at and and like what you have space for. I think we gotta we gotta put these guys their feet to the fire a little bit. What do you mean? You know, ask them the hard questions, and it might scare them away, and that's okay. It's not the end of the world. There'll be someone who can handle that kind of question. It's really not. It shouldn't really be that scary to ask someone what they're looking for, what they have space for, if they ever, if they ever want to have kids. You know, not not with me. Just curious where you're at. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but also I think that maybe underneath this question is yeah, fear of getting it wrong, fear of rejection, and also maybe just uh, fear of inadequacy. Right? I'm not worthy, or I'm not good enough, and so I have to be really careful about what I ask for because people are going to leave. And it's hard. I mean, being human is hard. And I think so much of this is just so revealing of just working on our own stuff. You know, like, why am I afraid to say what I want? Typically what we want. Well, I'm not going to say that. Like sometimes even to your first question about why I'm single, you asking me like, did you think I have an unfair expectation? Sometimes we do want too much and expect too much from other people. But I think more and more like my heart is like, how do I just show up authentically like myself and trust that the person that I want to date is going to be able to meet me in that? Not from a place of entitlement, but of a, yeah, like here I am and here's who I am and here's where I'm at. And person that you want to journey with will be open to that journey too. Well, it's funny. I, so I've been, I got sober uh, a long time ago through Alcoholics Anonymous, so 12-step program that that has, you know, some, we, you know, we talk about turning our, our life over to the care of God as we understand God. And and I, I knew a lot of women in that program and also, you know, myself would turn everything over to God 
but not our love life. Mm. That's the one thing that, you know what, God, I got this one. I don't really think that you're going to show up the way I need you to. So I'm going to handle this one. What if we actually did turn all that over to God, to higher power, to the love of the universe, whatever, you know, the motion of the ocean, whatever you believe in as um, this thing, having your best interest at heart. Right. So can we just like, like, can we just let go of the steering wheel a little bit? Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Because I feel like I'm the girl from the, there's like this TikTok going around and it's like, I'm totally fine to go with the flow, but like what time does the flow start and where is there parking and all of that? Like, I'm like, yeah, I want to let go and let God and surrender. And what does that look like? Like, so does that mean don't do online dating? Don't like, like, what does it actually mean to surrender to your higher power and your love life? I think it's what you're talking about, right? Letting go of the outcome of whatever it is that you're doing. I don't think it means sit on your couch and wait for Amazon Prime to deliver your perfect partner. I mean, you still have to get into action. I think one of the the quotes that was going around the rooms of of 12-step recovery is, you know, suit up, show up, put one foot in front of the other, but turn the results over to God, right? So we still have to do the stuff. We still have to go on the dates. We still have to ask for the stuff. But how it turns out is none of our business. It's not, we're not in control of the outcome. And, you know, I I think that I am not in control of the outcome of my career, right? I show up, I do my work, I do the best I can. Some days I'm not great. Sometimes, some days I'm a rock star. And how it turns out is out of my control. So it's more about that. It's more about letting go of the steering wheel, still showing up, but not, not trying to control the results. I struggle with trying to control the results, man. Yeah, no shit. I mean, we all do. I mean, I'm, I'm a contr- I'm a straight up control freak. <laughs> and so I, I routinely have to let go, right? It's like, you know, the, the, you know, the serenity prayer. Yes. Uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And sometimes we're trying to, we're trying to change things that we, we can't, right? Like yeah. other people. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we need courage to change the things we can, like speaking up for ourselves. And we need some wisdom to figure out which which is and which isn't changeable. That's good stuff. Thanks, Sean. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, thanks to, thanks to everybody listening.